I'm hoping that the following podcast will contain adult language. I, I don't think it will. I don't remember. I don't think it does. He's a good, fine, upstanding man we had on the show, and I don't think we had any bad language at all. Well, he didn't use any, but no. that doesn't stop me from using any. I don't think he did. Okay. Well, don't let that keep you away from it. Apparently, the following podcast does not contain any adult language. Right. Damn However, it. the Damn views it. and opinions made on this podcast still do not reflect the opinions of Broadway media. Or its advertisers. Or managers. Mm. Or Dylan Allred or Bill Allred. Actually, this one contains a lot of my opinions. Oh, does it? Yeah. Okay, and you stand yeah. behind those? I stand behind most okay. of this. I don't. Yeah. Our guest on this uh, edition of the Let's Go Eat Show is someone who's known to many people in Utah and was not known to me until just recently. I'd heard the name Alex Boyer, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, I just guess I didn't really know who it was. I just heard Alex Boyer. When I heard the name said to me about a week ago, I went, Alex Boyer, I know I've heard that name, but I just couldn't, I, th I don't know who that is. You heard it from me saying, hey- Dad, we really ought to get Alex Boyer on the podcast. And you went, uh-huh. No, before last week? Yeah. Really? Yes. Huh. Okay, well. But you didn't know who he was, no, so you didn't, I didn't really bring it up. But, the, but then I met him last week, and I went, oh, oh, this guy's a pretty talented singer. Let me look up who he is. Oh, he's like a guy from uh, London who uh, uh, became a Mormon, and now he's a singer here in Utah. But he's way more than that. Well, he's he's a lot of things. And uh, so we sat down and talked with him and talked about his life and uh, talked about his uh, family and his wife and what his projects are. And I think you'll find him interesting and personable. And, uh, since, you know, if he's, if he's nothing else, he's damn sincere. Yes, he is. He's a very sincere human being. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this edition of the Let's Go Eat Show. I want to thank, uh, oh, we bought these sandwiches, didn't we? I think so. Yeah, we don't need to thank them. Um, however, we do need to thank our friends at PC Laptops. Oh, let me do that. I've yeah. been uh, I've been putting these episodes, editing these episodes together on my new PC Laptops computer, and it is so fast and awesome, and I love it. New computer starting at just seven ninety nine. PC Laptops, we love you. All right, here it is, Alex Boyer on the Let's Go Eat Show. Oh, go to Patreon.com and like us there, please, please. Here we go, Alex Boyer. happy to have you here and hey, thank you uh alex boyer and we just we're just dive right into it feel free yeah. to eat we're just going to talk about your life right and how you manage to get where you are and be who <laughs> you are and and do what you've done with your with your life oh. if you'll give me a little more headphone dylan i'd really appreciate it just a tiny bit more a little how's bit that, right there how, thanks how's that good so alex boyer alex is a big deal Wow. Well, see, it, I mean, it's true. Alex is a big deal in in Utah and and in in a lot of the world. He's a big deal, and a lot of people know who he is. And I have to confess that I really didn't know who he was. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I when I I met Alex for the very first time about a week ago, and uh, I thought, well, who's this guy? And then <laughs> I then I saw him perform a week ago, and I said to myself. Oh well, why don't I know who this is? Because he's obviously a really good singer and a, and a, and a dancer. And then I looked you looked you up, and I said, "Well, this guy's a this he's a deal. He's a big deal." <laughs> Thank you. Could you be a? Do you think, Alex, you could be a bigger deal than you are if you hadn't chosen a certain paths in your life? I'd be a bigger deal, but I'd be in jail. 
So it's like um, that a lot of a lot of decisions that I made um, after a while stopped being about being famous and had more to do about being useful and being um, using what I have um, to be able to spread some good. Mm. And that's where I've <laughs> found the most joy because I've done the other. I mean, I've it's so funny because I've done all types of music, you know. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that I did re- religious music and that's what I'm known for in Utah. And, 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 and that kind of came um, because I needed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I used to, you know, back in the day, I used to be in a boy band. This is yeah, we'll, in the nineties. We'll, let's talk about. Let's, let's we'll talk about that. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, maybe we should start there because it is your. It is the trajectory of your life. Yeah. So as I read about your life, you you uh, you grew up in London. Yep. yep. Rough, rough neighborhood. Yep. Nigerian parents. Yes. A dad you never knew. No. So your parents are both Nigerians, right. moved to London mm-hmm. uh, because I guess they thought they'd have a life there. Yes, that's right. You know, But pay. then your your dad immediately turned around and went back to, and you were just a baby, right? Yeah, yeah. I was very young and he went back to Nigeria. I don't, I, I don't know much of him or where he is. Of course, my mom doesn't talk about him. So I had to try and find out from other people. I found out that he'd passed away mm. about three years ago, but my my, my my wife doesn't believe it because... She says it came from mom. And mom's just probably trying to just like, okay, steady, we'll stop looking. <laughs> I, every, every once in a while, you kind of want to find him. and Yeah, yeah. So your mother find, But then your mother, yeah. when you were how old, says, she, I'm going back to Nigeria and yeah. just left you there. Yeah, I was uh, 11 years old. Um, I just actually just barely had this operation. I had like a five-hour five hour operation. I had scoliosis. So they fixed my spine and everything. So I was in a bad way. And just as I was barely, you know, getting better, my mom was like, oh, well, I'm going to go away for three weeks. And, you know, um, and I thought I didn't really understand what that was. I'll be back soon. And uh, I didn't see her for eight years. Um, she, she had me. She said, I'll be back soon. Come go stay with your uncle. And, and uh, my uncle was, you know, was very uh, abusive uh, physically, emotionally. And uh, it was really, really tough. Um, How old were you about when that I was happened? 11, 12 years old. And uh, when he found out that I became Mormon, he kicked me out of the house. But that's a whole nother story. So I was living on the streets for a while. I was homeless at the age of 16. Um, uh, but anyway, so my uncle is who I was staying with. My mom said she was going to be back soon. Mm-hmm. Anyway, fall why forward. Didn't she, she, why didn't she come back? Well, here's the thing. Because I, I, I didn't get a single letter from her while she was away. Nothing. Just total nothing. You were abandoned. And Yeah, pretty much. And uh, it was... I just remember looking up in the sky, I'd see a plane and I'd think, that's my mom, she's coming back soon. And I'd do that every week. And after like three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, then after a year, you know, after about a couple of years, I just stopped looking. Mm-hmm. And then my life just kind of started to go spiral down, you know. I felt like there was just like, the people that could have been my role model were not, <laughs> were not the best role models. I guess they still were, but just in a different way, you know what I mean? And so... Uh, it was, yeah, it was really, really tough during those times. I didn't find out until years later. It wasn't until when I came, no. Um, so I'd been bitter with, with my mum for so many years. Bitter. Bitter, yeah. very, very bitter. Very, very angry. Because I just thought, I always thought to myself, and then I treated people differently. I thought, well, if my mum's not going to stick around, how do I expect anyone else to stick around? So I just didn't respect anyone, didn't respect myself. Had no, mm-hmm. you know, just just life was just, you know. Yeah. So anyway, it wasn't until years when I brought her back here to Utah. Mm-hmm. This is about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And we were randomly talking about stuff. And then she just basically opened up and she said, 
Tunde, because my African name's Tunde. Tunde, my full name is Baba Tunde Abayomi Boyejo, but you know, can call me Al. But anyway, she, she calls me Tunde. You can call me yeah. Al. <laughs> so she said, Tunde, um, she said, I had no choice. I said, what do you mean? She says, well, the guy that she was going over there to marry, mm. um, he was very wealthy, and they got married, and her goal was to bring me back. She's just going to go scope the situation out. Her goal was to bring me over. Yeah. And that was the plan. After they'd got married, he said, no, I don't want him. He says, mm. you, you either make a choice. You either choose him or me. So she stayed. And I hadn't heard much from her. She wasn't allowed to communicate. She wasn't allowed to write letters or anything. I heard that she did write a secret letter and she sent it to someone. And the guy uh, came to England and he forgot to mail it. And he gave it back to her back in Nigeria. <laughs> so anyway, she was just like, look, I had three jobs. She had three jobs. She was working in the ra- uh, on the railroad. That kind of sounds like an old slave song. But yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, like in New York, you've got the subways. In England, we call them the underground. The underground, right? sure. So from nine o'clock to three o'clock in the morning, because I always wondered where she went. Nine o'clock to three o'clock in the morning, her job with a whole bunch of other immigrants was to scour the, uh, the tracks underground Right, clean them mm-hmm. and clean them and get the debris off them because you mm-hmm. couldn't if it you know if yeah. the debris on them it derail and stuff like that. So you're talking she was amongst rats and stuff like that. She just had a bag, she had a mask with like twelve other people, and that's all they would. And do. this is before she went back to Nigeria. Before she went back, mm-hmm. and then she had a cooking job and a cleaning job. Mm-hmm. How long do you think you're gonna last? Mm. One day I could do that. Right, for right, one day. right, right. Actually, she was doing that for years. Yeah. I couldn't do it one day. Neither could I, yeah, and yeah. I had no idea. I'm got, like bawling my eyes out, just embarrassment for all the bitterness and the hurt that I had, that I felt from her of, of my mum being selfish, right? Yeah. Thinking about her own, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, I got down on my knees and I kissed her feet. I hugged her. We both cried and I just apologized. And I'm still apologizing. Every time I think about it, I tear up because it's like the biggest misconception that I had for my mother for over 15 years. So she went back to Nigeria. She stuck there for a while, yeah. but she did come back to London. She eventually came back after eight years. She yeah. couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah. Get a little closer to the mic if you want. Yeah. So after eight years, she yeah. just couldn't take it anymore. So so she comes back to London. In the meantime, you're kind of leading a kind of a crappy life. Yeah. Bad, yeah. bad role models. Yeah. People, but you, 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 you are making a go of it. Yeah. Well, how old are you by this time? 15, 16? Yeah. Well, when she, when she came back, I was 18. 18. So at the age of 16, that's when I met missionaries. I became a member of the church. That saved me. I read you were working at a McDonald's. Yeah. uh, yeah, I worked at McDonald's because a lot of people, you know, yeah, you can talk about religion being a crutch. Yeah. That was mine. If you don't have a crutch, you fall. Sure. That was my crutch. I was a bad way. You know, when people say, if, uh, if um if I didn't do it, you, you get a lot of people, you know, in the church setting, they'll go bear and test me and say, if I didn't join the church, I don't know where I would be. Mm. I know exactly where I would be. Mm. I, I, you don't, I don't need to be a prophet to tell you where I'll be. Mm. And it'd be in jail. Mm-hmm. And I'd have like 15 baby mamas. <laughs> you know what they say when you have your, your the five closest friends? Mm-hmm. You're kind of similar to yeah. in, you know, in the way you dress, the style, the way you talk, even mm-hmm. your income. And sometimes how many kids you have. Okay. Well, if I looked at it in that way, I'd be in jail or dead. Definitely been hung over. I mean, I'd be like addicted to drugs in mad, insane ways. Mm-hmm. And I'd have at least like 15 mamas out there mm-hmm. with with my children mm-hmm. because uh, it talked about my five friends. So mm-hmm. 
Man. Yeah, bad. But so so you get introduced to the LDS church yeah. and and it something about it resonates with you and you join the church yeah. and it cleans you up. Yeah. I mean, you know, it didn't cha- it didn't it, it cleaned me up. You know, I still struggled in many many different ways. Mm-hmm. Sure. But at least I knew where I was going to go on a Sunday. Like I knew where I was going to go on a certain day. You know, there was plans from, you know, for what I was going to do. Well, there's some stability, so, right? Yeah. That brought something I something. No, yes, cuz I had none of that, you know, growing up. And so when I was, you know, when I saw this, I thought this is the kind of structure that I need in my life that I, I think is going to help me. What and it really your, did. What did your mom think about I don't, I don't oh, know. she hated the. She, she hated me joining being baptized. <laughs> what what that. what kind of a religion are you if you're Nigerian generally? If you're Christ, it's like it's like so we call it sele, mm-hmm. which is celestial Christian. So basically, you come to church, you wear all white, your bare feet, and you just jump up and down, and you just worship and you celebrate. It's and a you Christianity. Sing African it's songs. A, it's yeah, a, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's African Christianity. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. So so she's just she's just shocked and horrified yeah. that you become a Mormon. Yeah, but here's what I realized: that it was more the fact that she realized it was almost like jealousy hmm. that she discovered that there was someone else taking care of me hmm. when she couldn't and hmm. wasn't hmm. so that that was the reason and that's what she had told me and because for a long time i just thought she just hated it because you know mm-hmm. you know the mormon thing and the horns and whatever you know yeah. but she was telling me this and i was like oh my gosh and now i'm looking at it from her point of view and seeing when i'm talking you know to her and I'm telling all the good stuff that was happening in my life because that's what I had to do. I had to force myself to find good things mm-hmm. or else I'd be a total mess. So, of course, that's what I would talk about. Mm-hmm. And she hated that. And I realized that now, you know, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I get, you know, it was like, you know, it was the kind of, you know, it's, it's imagine if you had a guy that the father that never turned up, you know what I mean? And yeah. then now there's the stepfather who's stepping up and doing the business, you know what I mean? And the father just automatically hates the stepfather. It doesn't care, matter how good he is. It doesn't that's not it, right. that don't yeah. come into play it's the fact that you took my job yeah so that was really what you know that a lot and that's i mean it, afterwards just talking to her about it you know so so now how did how and and please, please feel free yeah, to yeah, yeah. while i'm uh, while i'm asking a question i'll try to make a long question so you can eat some of your food <laughs> did you need help with your water did you get it's your good water? stuff by it. the way okay yeah. Where are yeah. you even uh, stevens can i say that yeah, yeah baby. even stevens it's good yeah. salad man got um, that avocado and the bacon uh so when you so so you're you're working at the mcdonald's you, yeah you become a member of the the mormon church yeah church uh, of jesus christ of latter-day saints yeah, yeah. this was in england right yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, we need to say that the Church yeah. of Jesus Christ of Latter Day right. Saints. It's the new they, thing. They would. That's prefer. all right to slip up. You're good. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, so music. Uh, you, you just, you probably knew from an early age that you had a love of music. You, you probably knew that you had a talent for music. Uh, did you ever have any formal training for music, or just, just knew that you had it in you? No, Dylan. The, the whole thing it came about by necessity. Mm-hmm. Music. Mm-hmm. Because uh, when I was homeless and I was on the street, um, got kicked out of my house and I was just wandering around the place trying to find, and it's cold. In England in the wintertime, it's freezing. It's like Oliver Twist with fog and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yep. So anyway, I try and figure out where is the place that I could stay that's open the longest. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I could stay out of the cold mm-hmm. the longest, and they were the nightclubs. Mm-hmm. So I would scour every nightclub. I'd go there, make friends with the DJ, make friends with the bouncer. Sometimes I would slip after he's left. I would slip underneath the DJ table, sleep there till early in the morning until the cleaners caught me and kicked me out. 
That was my regular thing. Mm -hmm. There'd be times where I'd be on the dance floor and I'd be crying my eyes out, not knowing where my life was going. Mm. That's where I found my peace, my solace. My music, and not my music, because I wasn't doing music at the time, but music in general that I was listening to, it became my friend, my mm -hmm. best friend. It became my teacher, became my therapist. Mm -hmm. It became my mom and my dad. Mm. So I couldn't get enough of it. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was one time when I was just in so much despair and just I, I just felt I had just so much of this mental illness. That's the only way I could, I could say, just mental sickness. And the only thing that cured it was every time I went to that nightclub and I would dance like all night. For me, it wasn't about the chicks. It wasn't about getting a, trying to get high or getting some smoke or get a, what this and that. I just went for the music and I danced the crap out of myself and that was my therapy. Mm -hmm. And it would, and it, every single day, it, was, it became a drug. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was one time where I was just like, um, if I could do this <laughs> for somebody else, what music has done for me, mm -hmm. I would be in a very, very happy place, and mm -hmm. I'd be a, I'd be a, I would be a fulfilled man. Mm -hmm. So from then on, that's been my goal because I know the power of music personally. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, it wasn't about making money. No, necessarily. it wasn't about making money or getting chicks or stuff mm -hmm. like that. And then it was a necessity, and then it was like, oh my gosh, I need to pay back. And I remember there was one time, you know, we, we there was a whole bunch of, when we'd get to the nightclub, that's how I started making friends and making new family mm -hmm. on a nightclub. I, I became an awesome dancer, really cool dancer, because just that's what I just did. I had fun and hung out with people and just learned from people. So then that's how I'd make friends and network. Sometimes there'd be like five dancers, we'd battle each other, we'd have this look, you know what I mean? <laughs> we'd battle each other, then we became friends. Because mm -hmm. we're like, this is my dance floor, this is my, you know, I pee on this, this is my territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't come from other nightclubs, <laughs> come and try and take my territory, you know? <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So they'd come over, we'd have a dance session, we'd have been friends, do the hug out. I'd go to their club, they go to my club, and then we'd just, you know, that's just how everything developed. And then one time, there was a guy from Italy, and he came out to us and he said, I want you to come to my club and dance. In Italy? Well, we didn't know. We didn't know. Who they, he oh. just had this accent, which we didn't quite <laughs> figure out what it was. We thought it was just something down the street. He says, yeah, come to Italy. We're like, what? <laughs> you know, this is like hood boys from, you know, London, mm -hmm, bad mm -hmm. part of town. We'd never been outside, you know what I mean? Our, like Barra, mm -hmm. which this is like a version of state, let Har alone out of the country. You'd hardly been out of Tottenham. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. You yeah. know? Mm -hmm. And so we were like, okay, we just didn't believe him. And then one of the guys, because he got a number one of the guys, he called us and he's like, guys, I got 12 tickets. I got 12 flight tickets to Italy. We're like, what? <laughs> so he flew in 12 of us. Wow. 12 homeboys. Mm -hmm. We went down to a place called Rimini in uh, yeah. southern Italy. Sure. It was like college town. Mm -hmm. And we went and the nightclub there was like, what? It was like, if you can imagine the clubs we went to was like Pintos. The clubs there were like Maybachs and flipping. You know, the stages would rise while you're dancing on it and stuff like that. We're like, what is going on? This is awesome. Amazing. The girls were just like hot and everything. You know what I mean? How old were you at this time? Baby? We were like, oh my gosh, like, uh, let me see, 17, mm -hmm. 18? Mm-hmm. Are you a, and you're a member of the Mormon church? I'm a member of the church then, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And still, I still kind of like, you know, they have the thing where you say you have one foot in Zion and one foot in Babylon, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I was, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was me. And so I went to the, I went out with them and, and, and we just, I remember the girls just screaming. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, this is like pretty cool. Yeah. And then we started doing all these, what we started doing is that when we got back, we was like, we're going to take this dancing thing really seriously. We got into a dance agency and then we would dance for all the acts in, in England for their music videos. Mm -hmm. And then we had like, we hit the jackpot where we were on a night, night I remember I was dancing in a nightclub and everything in London. Someone gave me a flyer. It was like audition. Mm -hmm. 
for George Michael. We're like, okay, didn't really know who he was at the time, but I was like, no? okay. You didn't know Wham? Yeah. Well, we knew all the songs, but I didn't, you know, we mm-hmm. couldn't quite figure out that that was him, you know. Mm-hmm. We didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. So we turned up this place and we did the audition and everything, and it was like three months. We didn't hear anything. I thought this was my way out, and I was mm-hmm. just like so excited. We just didn't hear anything from him, and we thought, oh, okay, it's probably done. Then we got a call from them. We want you to be in George Michael's video. So, we ended up being in his video. It was called Fast Love. I think it got to number eight, like in, mm-hmm. in, in the US, actually, mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. It was a big song. Then we got to perform at the MTV European Music Awards. He asked us to to perform at, the, at, on, the, at the event. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And that's when my life was just like totally transformed. I remember we, we, we rehearsed on stage for like 12 hours straight. Mm-hmm. George Michael came. He turned up. He came up for like 12 minutes and did his bit and then he left. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, we're in the wrong freaking trade. Yeah. Like, we need to be at the front, not at the back, right? Yeah. We do all the work. Singers, they just turn up, do their thing, get the crap out of there. Yeah. I'm like, guys, we're going to be, we're, we're going we're gonna to be a boy band. So this is then when like all the Backstreet Boys were big and everything. So I, I turned my guys, there was four of us. And so they said, Alex, here's the thing though. Uh, that's good and all, but none of us can sing. And neither could I. I was you- like, don't worry, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so... We just started just like singing to all the old school songs back in the day. And then we'd do karaoke stuff, you know, and we would go to, I'd go back to church, the church dances, right? Mm-hmm. The little Mormon church dances. We'd have it at the university. And these church dances were so big and so hip and so cool because the DJ was like an inactive Mormon. So he had his cool factor, right? Uh-huh. And all the Mormons would turn up, but people, all his fans from all across like England would mm-hmm. come. So it was like known as like the coolest like Mormon church dances like mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> and they'd play the coolest music. It wasn't that kind of Cotton Eye Joe thing, not ripping on them because you know what I mean? I realize now yeah. every time it's getting played, they get paid. But sure. anyway, <laughs> so because <laughs> I don't get, I don't make fun of people anymore. Like mm-hmm. I used to remember people always to ask me, what, what is your plan in music? I said, I just want my songs to be annoyingly popular. Mm-hmm. I want someone to hit me on the street and say, if I hear your song one more time, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to kill somebody. I'm like, that's great because you know I'm getting paid <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I'm putting my kids through college yeah. so i don't ripple that anymore but that's all that cotton eye joe and the church <laughs> dances in england that's all they figure out cotton eye joe i've been married a long time ago but they, they come i, I yep, mean I, play, I love that song uh, we we played the hell out of it on uh, this radio station that you i did? Was, yeah. <laughs> I did a trap joe. version of it by the way oh. I, i'll send it to you it's dope. okay anyway so, <laughs> okay. so anyway we started doing that working the circuit girls started screaming and everything and we were like yeah this is good so I entered this contest just randomly. It and, was for and, radio and station. I know you called the boy band what? We hadn't get, had a name at that point, but <laughs> why are you going to do that? Why are you going to do that to me? Okay, we called the band Awesome. That's right? a d- really awful name. I didn't even know what it meant until I moved to the U- U.S. Now, now, yeah, now, <laughs> turn around is fair play. Yeah. Tell Alex the name of your first radio show with Carrie. It was called The Fun Pigs. Wow. It was a terrible name. And you ripping on me. No, that's all right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, you know what? Terrible. You got to do what you got to do yep. when the inspiration comes at the time it comes, man. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know that thing where you look at your haircut like, you know, back in the day and mm-hmm. you're like, oh my gosh, would I really rock in that? <laughs> yeah, I have some You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm wondering if like today we're going to look 10 years ahead and say, oh my gosh, Alex, you were bald, no hair. <laughs> what were you thinking? You know what I mean? Like, did you really wear this like paisley kind of No, you, 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 anyway. you get away with it. I don't know. Yeah. Get away with it now, but yeah. like when my kids see it. So you form the so you formed the boy band Awesome. <laughs> yes. And you guys actually did very well. It was amazing. In, in, in Europe. We did really, really well. Um, we, uh, we got a deal with Universal Records. 
uh, UK and we toured all over uh, the country and all over Europe. We ended up, I think we had like a um, uh, 10 top 10, no, top 20 songs and two top 10s. Mm -hmm. um, I remember one time we had in the MTV um, Europe at the time, the charts, we had a number eight song with Rumours and, and uh, we were in between Coolio and Janet Jackson <laughs> at the time. Yeah. And we were like, oh my gosh, like we had arrived. We still weren't making money, you know. You know how that works. Well, yeah, but the we record were, company was we, making yeah, the money. But yeah. we were living La Vida freaking loca. Mm. I mean, for our age and everything, traveling around mm -hmm. all over the place. Mm -hmm. Man, we used to tour with like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. And, you know, we had all their numbers and they used to hang out with us and call us when they were bored and stuff like that mm -hmm. in their hotels and stuff. I mean, it was just so awesome, you know. Um, but uh, but you, 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 you quit doing it. I mean, yeah. you, you made the conscious decision. Yeah. I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. So it was, it was. It was a voice thing. You know, sometimes you just get this voice in your heart that says, okay, you're going to take this direction or take this direction. And sometimes you follow it and it really makes sense. But it doesn't at the time, you know. So anyway, I remember the way it happened really was um, I was, I was, uh, we just finished this huge gig. It was in Berlin, um, performed at the Dome. It was like a soccer field with like a roof that retracted and stuff. 100,000 people mm -hmm. and i think i remember it was like backstreet boys and nsync and jay-z nobody even knew he was then mm -hmm. you know and missy elliott and then all these like german and european bands like mm -hmm. rammstein and stuff like that it was yeah. crazy right mm -hmm. we just finished performing get off the stage and then I, I was at the hotel i end up at a hotel i get a knock on the door and it was one of the gr guys from another group and uh, I totally think, I seriously think it was one of the guys from Backstreet Boys who were like next door to us. I seriously, but I can't remember. I, you know, mm -hmm. I'd have to talk to my boys because they have better memories than me. But so anyway, knocks on doors. Hey man, there's a party going on next door. You should come down. I said, yeah, sure. Let me get shower and everything. So I, had, I, I got showered. I turned up at the place and it was like really dark. Knocked on the door. The door was kind of open. And it was just like walking through the hallway. It was like a huge suite, you know. And as I'm getting to the front, room there's like all this noise and music and everything and everything's dark the only thing you see was just like a light it was a light that was shining uh, at the bottom of a glass table that was shining up and it was just lined just of cocaine just mm -hmm. lines white yeah. lines like that. and people mm -hmm. just doing their sniffing and everything like that and i remember just standing there and it was like everything was in slow motion you know those movies where everything's like slow motion and mm -hmm. i'm just like i see all these girls they're dressed and wearing necks and nothing and mm -hmm. you know just like all, all the guys that we were touring with and everything just doing their thing and partying it up mm -hmm. and i sat there and everything like went in slow motion and this is all i could remember and now you got read this all i remember was i had this flashback to reading my mission my mission papers when i got my mission call I said, you are hereby called to da 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 this and that, da 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 And my mission president, who the last day of my mission, he said to me, Alex, I hope that you go, uh, when you come back home after your mission, that you do music. He was the one that inspired me to do music. Huh. I wasn't even thinking, I wanted to do graphic design when I got home. And he said, and I hope that you use it to be able to build the kingdom and do good. Mm -hmm. So I'm standing right here, all right, in this hotel, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it just... Yep. orgy going on glass and table and they said and i had this flashback and you're I'm on like, the verge of being a big star yeah. and i just had this flashback and i'm just like what am i doing like how did i how did i end up here because mm -hmm. it's a real slow process 
And that was when I decided to take one foot out of Babylon, so to speak, and put both feet. I just had to make a decision either way. Because mm-hmm. I still, I, there was awesome things happening, <laughs> pardon the pun, but I was just <laughs> still, ups- I was still, I was still unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you find that there's a, there's a, I heard this quote once that said, sometimes we find ourselves climbing the ladder of success. Then when we get to the top, we find we're leaning on the wrong side of the wall. <laughs> you see, I used to remember that I thought if I get this one hit, then everything's going to be great. You get the one hit and you're like, eh. If I can get on this one TV show that everyone, all the bands want to get on, then I've totally arrived and that's it. And then I'm like, yeah, boom, I get it. Eh. You know what I mean? If we get this top 10 hit, you know, and I realized that everything that I was chasing, I was finding no satisfaction in it. And that was the biggest thing. And I'm glad that I found that early as as opposed to later. Mm -hmm. Because we know where you end up. So uh, it was, oh my gosh. Something pulled me out, man. And I'm glad that 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 happened. Just a couple of questions about that. Have some salad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, A couple of questions about that. Yeah. You, uh, now, you'd been on a mission. Yeah. uh, uh, And you were, so, and then you'd come back and you'd started the the boy band and you were doing really well. And Mm -hmm. were you... Had you fallen away from the church a little bit, like a lot of return missionaries do? And no, you, that you, was the thing. You 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 were you were still towing the line. You you weren't uh, yeah. doing you it weren't was, doing the cocaine. It was you lip service. You, you weren't doing the cocaine. You were not. You yeah. were still being a faithful member yeah. of the church at yeah. that point. You, but you you felt that you couldn't. You were going to break at some point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I felt that I felt that I had to be true to myself. I got you. By either going all in or go all out, because that's the type of person I am anyway. Gotcha. I don't do things in halves because every time I do, I've just, it just, I, I just don't, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm just like, I just go all in or go all out. So, I can't be a, I can't be a faithful member of the church mm-hmm. and still do this. I'm gonna have to do the cocaine and the. Yeah, I felt yeah, like a I, hypocrite because, like, it's funny because mm-hmm. it's like if I go and just go straight out and do all the things, like even that, I think that Bible, the Bible scripture talks about, I would that thou art hot or cold. If thou art lukewarm, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. It's almost like the Bible's literally saying, hey, you, you make a decision, right? Even for yourself and just for your well-being. If you're going to be all out, go all out. If you're going to go all in, go all in. Mm-hmm. But if you've got one foot here and one foot there, you ain't going to find any kind of satisfaction mm-hmm. in whatever mm-hmm. it is you're doing. Whether it's work, whether it's a business deal, right? Whether it's your girlfriend, right? If you're half in, your afro's half in, half out, right? <laughs> you, you, you're you're going to mess up and she's messed up. So it's like, just leave. So so at that moment- Or marry moment, the chick. <laughs> Put a ring on it, right? So at that moment, it, did you didn't write at that very moment say, that's it, I'm going home. It was when I was in that, when I was uh, that party, mm-hmm. when I had that experience, that's when I made the decision. And then, when did you actually break up the band? It was the next day. Really? Oh my God! That must not yeah, have made wow. That must listen, not have made your 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 oh, mates very listen, happy. When I when I talk to you about sometimes decisions, um, that might be right for you, is not always right for everybody else. Yeah. And that was one of the guys. That was one of the hardest. These are my brothers. I remember one time when my one one of the guys was like, "Why are you doing this?" It's like, "This is our way out." I was the lead singer. I wrote probably like eighty five percent of the album. So you know, I was the I was the leader of that of that crew. I put it together, mm-hmm. and now I'm and now they see that they because they didn't even want to do it at first. Now they taste it, and I'm taking it away from them. Mm-hmm. It was one of the hardest things I ever had to do to my brothers, and I still, I still even still today. You know what I mean? I just look back and I just think, man, you know. But I look back and 
I know that if I hadn't, if I had stayed, I'd be in a totally different place. You have any be. contact with those guys? Oh yeah, there? all the time now. We're in contact. We're good friends and everything. And you know, were any of them cool. Mormons at all? No, I no? actually one was. It was really so. I was in this boy band where one of them, I was Mormon, and the other one was totally like totally the other way mm-hmm. inactive he'd been a member of the church baptized but he just totally left hated the church mm-hmm. so our radio interviews was very interesting <laughs> <laughs> so so you so my best friend still the next day you, br- you break up the band yeah uh uh with any idea of what what the hell you were gonna i do? had no idea i felt like i was jumping into the dark mm-hmm. so it was like um so i remember the next day my manager said look just give it give it another day all right, just you know, sleep on. Come on, sleep on. Yes, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Just like this is ridiculous, you know. And he's like, you know, why don't you just? And then I just said, no, I've already made a decision. Mm-hmm. Then he started getting mad with me, you know. And then he's like, why don't you just get off this freaking spiritual high horse thing that you're he doing? Didn't right? Say freaking though. No, did he? he did not. But anyway, so you know what I mean? Yeah. He's just get off. He's like, who do you think you are? And this and that and that and mm-hmm. this and this. Do you know what you can get? Do you know? Do you know where you are? Do you know how many people cut their right arm off to be where you are? You know, man, how, you, you know how many people, like all the drugs and the sex and the rock and roll, you can have all of that, everything you want. And I remember I was thinking, who's really talking here? It's like his head was shrinking and getting, it was like, I was just like, man, all the stuff that you're asking me to do is going to kill me. All the stuff that you're telling me that I had opportunities to do. Now, this is not like a, a judgment thing. This is not like a judgment thing or a, or a, you know what I mean, a spiritual thing. This is saying the stuff that you're asking me to do, because the reason why I got kicked out of my house you know what I mean? When I joined the church was because my I wasn't I didn't want to get involved with what my uncle was getting into anymore. Yeah. I didn't want to take those brown paper baggages and deliver them to all the people that he was asking me to deliver them to and get a, uh, get something in return and didn't even know if I was going to come out of that house alive. He was a small-time dealer or yeah. a big-time dealer. Or a he was dealer. a small-time wannabe big-time dealer. Yeah. I didn't know whether whatever it was in that package that they found out that it was they that they were cut short mm-hmm. or they were short-handed. They'll get out and kill me for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I'm I'm not doing that stuff anymore. When people say, "Oh, why don't you drink?" Is it because of this? I'm like, no. It's because my uncle was freaking drunk and he died a drunk with no money. That's why I don't drink. Not because of being a Mormon. That's right. Yeah. I wasn't drinking even before I was a Mormon. So. So you're so you you do it. You break off yeah. from the band. No yeah. idea really what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. But but you know you but you know at this time you have talent. You're a good dancer. You're a good singer. You know you can do stuff. Yeah yeah. So I learned the business. I learned the business. So what what's what's the next thing that happens to further your career? So the next thing that happens is, <laughs> it was like everything was put on hold. It was like a totally three sixty. I had this dream. I mean, I remember I was going to church and I was unhappy. Mm-hmm. I'd turn on the TV and I'd see my boys with a new lead singer mm-hmm. killing it, music Still videos. Doing okay. Oh, yeah. Doing okay. Yeah, yeah. They found a singer that I actually trained. Mm-hmm. That's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And he did his thing. And look, hey, I can't knock it, right? Sure. I, I can't knock my brother's hustle, man, because they want to get out the hood. You know what I'm saying? They were struggling. We were all struggling. So, But then here I was. I'm sitting in, in church. You know, and I think I was like Sunday school teacher and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. I go do my thing and I'd come back home and I'd just like sit there, turn the TV on, see my boys just rocking it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that thing again of like the the father and father-in-law. Right? Yes! Like, it's that turnaround. <laughs> right? No, that's my jealousy. Right? Yeah. I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. hold on a minute. How come they're happy without me? But I'm happy that, no, but what? You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want that toy yeah. until somebody else starts to play with so it. So I was just, I, I mean, I just cried every night. Because I'm just like, I'm following this voice and I'm just like, why 
this doesn't make sense. You know, I'm mm. doing what you asked me to do. And my life sucks and everyone else is happy. Everyone else is having a great time. Right? Mm -hmm. And then I remember I had this dream. Um, it was literally like the scariest dream. And it just scared the crap out of me. And I remember then I went back to bed and I had another dream. And it was almost like part two. But in this dream, it, was, it, just, it, it just felt better. And the thing that I was running away from that was like so scary, there was this kind voice, this guy that just said, if you, if you hide out here, you'll be fine. You'll be safe. And I was like, okay. So I hid where he told me. And then I had all of a sudden, it was like, it was behind these bushes. All of a sudden the water started coming up and rising up over my chest and then over my shoulder and then over my mouth. Just about to get my nose and just as soon as you, then my, I wake up. Right? That's mm -hmm. always happens, right? And I was like, wow, that was a crazy dream. But here's the strangest thing. So I remember like t when I was, when the water was coming up to my mouth and I couldn't breathe and it was going down my, you know, my esophagus, right? I tasted it and it was salty. And I woke up and I was like, and I was in a lake. And I was like, salt lake. That's where I'm supposed to be. So I just got rid of everything. I said goodbye to my mom, my, my brother. Went to church, said goodbye to them. They had a big party for me. And, uh, and Salt Lake was calling. Came to Utah. <laughs> it really? <laughs> knew, yeah. Did you wow. know anybody here? I knew I knew one person. Uh, actually, there was a, actually a couple of my uh, mission companions. Mm -hmm. And there was this thing back in the day, it's, in the night, it's called the Mormon Arts Festival. And I turned up, they, they asked me if I would perform at the Mormon Arts Festival with my boy band with awesome the boy band I'm like I don't know if you I don't know if you Mormons really want me to come and perform because mm -hmm. <laughs> we were crazy mm -hmm. we were crazy man. I'm like I don't know if you really want that to happen I said anyway we've broken up well will you come I'm like yeah you know maybe you know is this when you did um I read uh, you know just on Wikipedia yeah that you did it performed um and did a recording of count your blessings Mm-hmm. Which um, I'd like to actually hear your version of that because I always thought that was a. I grew up in the Mormon Church, right. and I always just thought that was a great song, right. and it could be interpreted in a yeah. lot of ways, yeah. a lot of really interesting ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, is that when you did that? That's it. I started a group called Soul Saints. <laughs> Soul Saints. Okay. And there was, and it was, it was myself, a black girl, mm -hmm. and this, uh, the whitest. Um, Relief Society mother with a British accent Great. and we did soulful hip hop versions of the church hymns Huh? and she was one that played the piano interesting and we started touring all across England mm -hmm. it was going nuts but, ha but I have to tell you though this is not this is how it happened when I when I told you that I had this dream and I, and I said I'm supposed to come to Salt Lake so I did, said goodbye to everyone. Mm -hmm. the, the, my ward had a big party for me and everything. I get to customs in Chicago. And they said, what is your purpose for coming into this country without a visa? I'm like, what's that? And I said, I've come here to be rich and famous. <laughs> like I was so naive. Did you really? I went, like, it was probably something, words to that effect. Yeah. I was saying, oh yeah, and I've got some friends, and I want to do this and doing that, and these guys are just looking at me. These, you know, mm -hmm. TSA, and this, you know, mm -hmm. they're just like, this guy is a joke, right? They took me in a room, right? They questioned me for three hours. Mm -hmm. They took, they, they. The, I mean, I remember I had like a 
picture of Jesus <laughs> and and some clothes. That's all I had in my red plastic case. That's all I had. And I'm just I'm just trying to make a better life for myself. And everything. said, well, this is not how you do it. You got to go home, get a visa. I'm like, you're sending me back home? Yeah. They sent me back home. And I was just like, the next week I turn up at church. <laughs> like, we just threw a big party for you. What the heck are you doing back here? So for another six months, okay, I had to get my papers in order and everything. So it took six months. But during that time, I was like, i got to do something. So that's when you did the soul thing. That's when I'm like, I'm going to take all these hymns and I'm going to do like soulful versions of them. And we did it. I got a guy who funded it, who was a, like, I think he was like the um, um, second counselor to the bishopric. Mm-hmm. He was the guy from the U.S. He oh, CEO in one of these American companies that was, uh, you know, in, in England. Mm-hmm. And he paid for the album for everything. Mm. Wow. We did this album and it just started going nuts. Mm. We started touring all across England and people were coming to our shows watching us, hearing us sing all these hymns and jazzing them up, up and everything. Hmm. Kids were coming back to church. <laughs> I mean, it was nuts, right? But more than, I mean, were they mostly Mormons? They were all Mormons. Hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of Mormons in England. Yeah, I mean, no, you know, compared right. to here, but yeah, yeah, and that's what it was because, hmm. you know, people come, they'd leave. they get baptized, then their missionaries would leave. Yeah. Right. And then they'd leave, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, we did that and it was going crazy. Hmm. I was like, what the crap is going on? And then, so anyway, we after after we did that for a while, the CEO, he was moving back to the U.S. He says, I want to pay for you to tour the U.S. All the churches, all the LDS churches in the U.S. were like, what? Wow. I said, but I'm, I got problems with my visa. He says, I'll take care of it. Made a phone call. Bam! I get a visa. We come Isn't out that here. funny what money will do? <laughs> Isn't that funny what money and people that you know, yeah. it's all about who you know, right? It ain't yeah. no joke, right? Yeah. So, I mean, but this was a blessing for me. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yep. I turned up. I came out to Park City. I lived in Park City, guys, for six months. That was his summer home or winter home or whatever mm-hmm. you call it. Yeah. I remember there was like three of us and we, we were in this, his home. It was, his name was Steve Boyd. Incredible guy. Mm. Incredible man. And he said to us, this is your place. He gave us, and then I had a manager. We had a guy that we use as a manager who also came out with us. Mm-hmm. He said, this is your guy. He gave us like this GMC Suburban. Mm. Pimped out. <laughs> and then he gave us all these tickets and stuff because we live in Park City. He says, these are ski tickets and everything. We're like, ski who? What was mm-hmm. that? Yeah. We're like, I, I, you know, I could have been the dopest skier, man. For, for six months, I had free, obviously for free skiing, jet skis. Mm-hmm. No, what are those snow skis and all that kind of stuff? Snowmobile? Yeah, mm-hmm. snowmobiles. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, no. We just, he said, just take it downstairs. We're playing table tennis and foosball downstairs because that's, you know, mm-hmm. and that's all we did. And then we went on tour. We traveled. It was amazing. But the 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 girl, Fiona, who mm-hmm. was in the group, and also uh, Harriet, who was the Relief Society, she was missing her family. Mm-hmm. She had eight kids. <laughs> she was missing it's her family. And, she, be, and yeah. she felt like, I'm, I'm not supposed to be doing this whole superstar stuff. I'm like a mother with eight kids. And she just, you know, she was just like, i got to go home. I was like, please don't. Because mm-hmm. that means I have to go home. <laughs> and it's why I begged. I begged. I, I was just like, I said to Steve, I don't want to go. Because I've already had that dream, right? Mm-hmm. So I know I'm supposed to be here. And he, he understood. So he gave me $15,000. He just, he said, you don't need to pay me back? He just wrote a check for $15,000. And I I was there in Provo. And I just, I did an album. 
And that album from that, this was in, uh, let me see, I came out here in 2000, 2001. That album that I produced had funded everything that I'm doing all up until today. That opened up the doors for everything. Just it did, that album it did well. Did in, it two, did in well. 2000. Mm-hmm. I had sold it everywhere. I mean, you know, it paid for my bills, paid for my rent. I had three roommates and I paid for their rent and everything mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it set me off on everything that's led to wh- where I am now. Mm. Because of that man writing a check, $15,000 for me. Mm. The other thing I didn't say though was that when I said it wasn't easy because I, I started from scratch because, you know, I was like, yeah, didn't you know who I am? I'm a, you know, I was a rock star back in England, mm-hmm. certain mm-hmm. parts and stuff. They're like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. we only have a budget of $500, sorry. Yeah. Mm. I was getting 20 grand per show, between 20 to 50 grand per show. We were doing seven, eight shows a week. That's a lot. When That's was, a lot of shows to do. When I was with the band. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were like these young kids yeah. around high testosterone. Man, <laughs> yeah. we could have done 10 a day. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we were in the zone. So I'm like, are you kidding me? And then on top of that, I had major, major pornography problem. Really? Major. Mm. And that came from touring and just being lonely mm. and just being at the hotel rooms and then mm. instead of going to sleep, turn the TV on. Mm-hmm. And in Europe, man, after 12 o'clock, the stuff that's on TV. Mm. Wow. Yeah, anything goes. And then you want you want a bigger you want a bigger rush, you want a bigger mm-hmm. high and this mm-hmm. and that. Mm-hmm. And so that was the other reason why I felt like God was like you need to get out of your whole environment. Mm-hmm. So uh let me let me ask you about this uh, a couple of things that occur to me. Uh uh you the dream that you had there. Yeah. Um I heard you mention when I saw you for the first time last week, you mm-hmm. also talked about a dream. Uh, do, do dreams play a big part in your life? You have dreams occasionally that you see as yeah. in, lead you where you need to go? Yeah, I credit that to my African roots. I was wondering about Every, that. But I don't know. I can't, I can't explain what it is, Dylan. But everyone in my family would have these dreams. Sometimes mm-hmm. my mom would call me. She'd have a dream. She'd say, Alex, don't get on that bus. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And there'd be a shooting on the bus or something like that. My brother, at six years old, he'd have these dreams. And this is, he was living in Nigeria at the time. Because remember, my mum moved to Nigeria. He was too young, so she took him with. And it got to one time that he'd be at, at the church, the, a Nigerian celestial church. And there would be people that would come up to him, asking them questions and stuff like that. And he would tell them stuff. And, and he would have dreams. And he had a dream about me that told me that I was going to be one of the biggest superstars on the planet. (laughs) And what's crazy about that is maybe that's why I don't freak out and stress out so much about not having the stuff that I want or not being where I need to be or people just thinking that I'm not. Because I'm the type of person that I believe that there's a lot of abundance and there's no lack. And that there's so much out there for people. So that's why I would walk around so much for so long being broke. When I first came out to Utah and I was trying to put that album together, I spent everything on that album. Mm. Everything. I didn't, I, what I didn't realize is that, and this is what I learned now, is that I spent everything on the album but I had no money to promote it. <laughs> so it was sitting in the basement. <laughs> boxes, guys. Boxes of my album. 
that, so that's the album you said uh, ended up funding the everything. Love Goes On, yeah. yeah. It's called Love Goes the On. Love Goes On, it was called. Uh, and and it is, what, what kind of music is it? It was like half spiritual and half pop. It was like a bit of awesome and a bit of church. So it was like in between. I'd sing like a lot of kind of R. Kelly, I Believe I Can Fly kind of songs. And I took some of those hymns that I did and jazzed some of those up. And I just, so I thought, let me just like tour. Like, so wherever I perform, I can relate to somebody. Mm-hmm. So the album could relate, you know, if I was going to do like a non-religious thing, I'd do this song on the album. If I was going to do a religious thing, I could do this song on that. So that album, it was very well thought out of, you know what I mean? It was like, then I can go anywhere and perform and make money. That was my plan with the album. So how did it sell? You couldn't, you didn't have anything to promote it. Yeah. How did it end up selling? Off the, out the back of my lorry, my truck, out the back of wherever, at firesides that I would, because I, what I did, see, I found a way to get paid to do firesides. Mm-hmm. I'd do it on a Thursday. So then I could sell. Mm-hmm. I'd sell my products. I'm mm-hmm. like, and then sometimes if they say, well, you can't sell it now, I say, let's go to the parking lot. <laughs> and would set up a, a, a booth, mm-hmm. my merchandise in the parking lot, and I'd sell the crap out of my stuff. Sure. Why and not? come home. Yeah. Took yeah. care of my bills for another yeah. year, for another week. Yeah. Did that for years. Yeah. Um, I also noticed that, um, uh, so you have become very adept at Doing what they what it was referred to as Africanizing yeah. songs, yeah, uh, and you did a, a song from Frozen, yeah, Africanized that just got tremendously popular yeah. on YouTube, yeah, it was insane. So, uh, so that brings me to the question of how you found your African roots. Yeah, you're a you're a kid that was born in London. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you have African roots, yeah. but you never lived there. No. Oh, I did, but I was so oh, young, I yeah. couldn't remember. Yeah, I was about. Oh, you four. weren't. You, you weren't born. It was in about London. two till I was. Were, yeah, two till I was six. I was in in Nigeria. Yeah. But so, but you don't. I don't remember it. Uh, no. But yeah, you, you. But you, so, how do you? How did you go and find those roots? Yeah. And and you are a just then you are a fascinating combination of, <laughs> of African, of 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 British, yeah. <laughs> of of being a Mormon. And and I don't know what else. <laughs> I do, right? I'm like this mulatto mutt with you know, all kinds what of things. What the hell else is in breeds. there? I wonder. But, but I'm learning every day. There's more. But <laughs> but I mean, did you have to go? Did you have to go find those those roots, or is, is it just natural? Uh, I you know I mean I was when I asked you about no. the dreams. Yeah. Uh, I was I was thinking. Well, I know that is kind of a of an African thing, but I would yeah. have been embarrassed to ask. Yeah, yeah. You. No, I got you. No, I no would problem. have been embarrassed to ask you if that's you think it's because of being African. Yeah, no but problem. But I'm bro. I'm almost glad it's that true. you said it, so it's I didn't true. have ha- to it, ask. It, it happens. You know? It happens a lot. Even Mormons in Africa, they will have dreams. Yeah, you They'll mean have dreams. Uh, Mimi? You mean African converts to the yes. Mormon Church? Yeah. They will have dreams. It, it, it's just something that just seems to be in the culture. Whether you're Christian, whether you're not, whether you're a drug dealer, well, in, whether you're indigenous just, indigenous peoples everywhere. Yeah, like uh, yeah, uh, Australian indigenous. When you're people. connected to the earth more, yeah. there yeah. has something to do with that. Because yeah. here's the thing: what was crazy about that is that my brother, it's like he had all these gifts, and then when he moved to England and uh, started getting to all kinds of crazy stuff, the dreams stopped. And, you know, it was almost like it was like it was like an oxymoron. Our dream was to come to have a better life. But for many people, when they would come because they get so sucked in and they're not rooted or grounded, so sucked in into a new culture. Yeah. that it just kind of just messed them up. 
but it ha- it, it it apparently had hasn't happened to you. The dreams still come. Yeah. It, it's not like it's every week where I can call upon it and bam. <laughs> yeah, no, it just it when seems it happens, to be. Yeah, it, it seems to be. But th- but I think here's the funny thing about that is that that's come from my that's come from my Mormon roots. I know it. Really, I can't explain it. That's another podcast. But oh, yeah, uh, you, <laughs> no wait. You mean the you mean the key that opens up the your the your African heritage dreaming comes from joining the Mormon church I, I, somehow? Uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. There's no way we can go into that. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> that you know? that takes a different but, um, con- conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 great. So now it's almost like I felt like God's given me the best of both worlds, of several worlds. Because there's yeah, because there's good and bad in everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I felt like He's given me, He's blessed me with the best of everything. And and of course, I had to fight for that. You know, when I'm telling you about this whole pornography thing, you know, even while yeah. I was in Utah, yeah. um, for y- probably. Oh gosh, mm. six seven years, mm. and I had to. Um, oh gosh, mm. I, I I literally shut myself in a church. Mm. I shut myself in the institute building in Orem at UVSC Utah Valley, mm-hmm. and I would sit and listen to every institute teacher from nine o'clock in the morning till four o'clock at night, wherever. As soon as I stopped, as soon as I left there, I'd have all these thoughts. And I'd, I'd, you know, it was just, and I'd kept, and I'd, so I'd go, to, I'd go to the institute and I'd come back and fall back at home, go back, come back and fall, go, come back and fall, kept, kept happening. And I, can you imagine, I, I felt like the worst, like, oh my gosh, I just felt like I was like the devil's like well, cousin like, twice removed. Anything that, anything that I mean, what it was doing, you, yeah. yes, yes, yeah, sure. it's like when you, when you, like when you have when you have thoughts that you cannot, like no yeah. matter what you do, you cannot get rid of them. Mm-hmm. When when now for the first time you realize that you are not in control of your life, that something else, some addiction, illness, sickness has taken over you. You don't have a cold. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's one of the worst feelings a person can ever have. That's why I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in a a really good place, it seems to me, here in Utah. A good place for you. Yeah. Um, But it's not the place. Because, you know, there are people, you know what I mean? My friends are here who are not in a good place. And I've been here not being in a good place. It had to do with me. Hmm. I I had to fight. Because sometimes, here's the other thing. Sometimes we have a bad situation. We think we have to leave a country or go to another place. But what happens is that that follows you. Mm -hmm. Right? You know what I mean? Even something as simple as, look, in the bo- beginning of the Book of Mormon, when Nephi had to travel to the Promised Land, they took all their crap with them. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why Laman was killing everybody, right? So it, it does. it's not about being in a new place, because that's what I realize now. I used to always say, that, oh, I'm so glad I'm in Utah. Utah's changed my life. No, 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 no. I had to freaking change my life. You it was my, my, my relationship with God that changed my nobody else there's nobody can that, that could take away the crap the stuff that i had inside me nobody on this planet could have taken that away mm. so let me let me phrase but it i a, love being in utah though well, <laughs> utah well, has been a great blessing but l- let yeah. me put it a different way then yeah just from what i observed yes, uh last <laughs> last saturday and then from what i uh, sort of have read about you this yeah. past week a little bit here and there okay. and then what i looked at 
when I looked at um, just the brief couple of minutes of uh, Boyer family jewels, <laughs> you uh, um, people people here seem it seems to me adore you. Um, they are they they love you. Um, they 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 like who you are. They really truly blessed in that way. They really they really look to you and think of you as as a special person in their midst. Um, and as and I and now I don't really know who your wife is. Julie yeah. is her name, is yes, that right? Yes. Uh, a Utah girl, right? Yeah. Talk to her for five minutes, you'll be like this girl. Well, I Amazing. only saw her for like Amazing. three minutes on YouTube, <laughs> and I went. Huh? Real deal. What a what a a genuine human being. What a man. I mean, she's it, instantly you're going. Thank you. Huh, <laughs> she's that's a that's really a person. She wears a cape. She wears the cape in the family. She's um uh and you have s- six, six beautiful kids. And she wants another one. These people with their Mormon, well, Mormon the, backgrounds. Well, there's yeah. the there, there's the one thing that I could see that maybe is wrong with her. <laughs> that she, I don't know. Well, here's the thing: she had a dream. Let's stop that. Uh, um, she's, you know, she's, she, and I, and I just, and 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 so, uh, I would just direct people to look up on YouTube, uh, Boye, and that's B O Y E Family yep. Jewels. Yep. Uh, it's our it's, family blog. It's just yeah, family crazy blog. videos, stuff we get up to every day, just mm-hmm. normal things. Just yeah, I guess you're now the one I was looking at. You, you, I don't think you were even in it at mm-hmm. all, but you're in. It's really about Julie. Yeah, and every now and then I I, I have a guest starring role. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and I saw one. I, I just I saw a, a still from it. Here, a poor little baby. I don't know what which one it was. <laughs> mouth mouth all cut open, and uh, it's uh, and this is uh, like. So yep. I, so I mean it's everything and anything that happens in the family. Day to thy life, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, it it's uh, uh, so so how your so your career right now, and I mean we haven't talked about uh, you've won um, you've won awards and you've you've been on TV, America's Got Talent, The X Factor. You've been uh, uh, you've done very well on those kinds of things. What what do you what do you see going forward? What do you think? It's just everything now that I'm doing now, but it's just going to be bigger. I, I know everything you, I'm doing now. <laughs> you wrote a really a very touching song about suicide. Oh gosh, uh, that you filmed out at Harriman High School, and that's uh, that's changed my life. You reached out to, again, and that was the result of a dream. Yeah. Well, this was more of a just a, just a feeling that I had when I was sitting on the crapper in a in a studio right. in Burbank, California. Right. Yeah, this was yeah, this was yeah. I was sitting that. on the John, yeah. and um, we had three hours left of studio time. You know how you pay for the studio time. Mm. It's like, okay, three hours left. We'd done the songs we wanted to. I could either go home or just go back to the hotel because I was so tired. My voice was like gone, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting on the crapper. And there was just, it was just like, just this real strong, just premonition. It's like, you need to go back in the studio and write another song about suicide. Now, that's, yeah, that was my face too. I was like, huh? Because here's the thing, you know, I'm doing, you know, I'm known as, you know, the Mr. Churchy guy, Mr. Lemonade, you know, whatever, right? And so here I am. I run into the studio. They're all calling Ubers, the engineer and the record and, and the producer and, you know, the piano player that we had and, you know, all of them. And the songwriter that I had, 
they're all calling Ubers, turning off the lights and everything in the studio and turning off the board. And they're like, guys, 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 we gotta do one more song. And they're like, what? I was like, Can we gotta do one more song. And like, are you serious? So what, what, what's it about? And I was like, and I didn't want to say the word because mm-hmm. that'd be just really weird. I don't know. So I just said, look, I'll, I'll, let me create a picture for you. Imagine, okay, you just come out of a restaurant. You're it's like a beautiful night, you know, and you can see the water and everything and you're with your date or a bunch of friends and you're walking across a bridge. And then you see someone that's about to jump. It's the Golden Gate Bridge. What would you say to them to talk them off the bridge? And I was like, and they all looked at each other with just this weird, like, this guy's high. He's on crack. And I said, what would you say? And they said, that's what I want this song to be about. And so that's why the opening of the the song is, before you go, can I ask you a question? That's the opening of the song. And when that song, we wrote the song in one hour. There's this girl named Jordan Powers. Wow. She'd written for like Demi Lovato and, mm. you know, and Pink and all these huge acts. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to write a song about, about this, about suicide. And so I just had this idea that the only idea that I came with coming into the toilet was bend, not break. You know, like a bamboo thing that's just like, you know, the stronger the roots that go deep down, when the wind comes and the trouble comes, you can't break. You just bend because the roots are so strong and so deep. And so that was a song is like, if you just bend and not break, at least not today, at least not today. And so the whole idea is we're trying to talk someone off the bridge and saying, and the way that we talk to them is we just say, think of all, you probably can't think about it in the, like the last two years or three years, but maybe even longer, maybe 10 years. When's the last time you thought of something good? When, 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 when was something like amazing like happened in your life that you wrote in a journal and stuff like that? And apparently what it takes is that if you, at that one point <clears throat> of when you're in this, so far down in despair that you feel that the better option is to end, end your life, that that thought, so this is this is not all the time. This is just kind of scientific. You know, um, therapists have talked about it. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But there's just this one moment, this one moment in time, where if you just trigger their mind to think about something else, mm-hmm. then they go back and think about dying. That they won't. That they've just changed their mind. It's not in their thought pattern anymore. It's like a split second thing. Split, yeah, I've heard that. Like um, there was a, a famous bridge in a city that people would jump off of. Right. It was the where you did that, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And so they put up around this bridge um, big net things that right. shot out the other side and so people couldn't jump off of it. Yeah. And uh, uh, but there was another bridge next like right next to it. Yeah. And in the time when they first put those nets up, in the time it took people to walk you'd think they'd go to the other bridge. Yeah. Never they didn't. Oh like, my cut, gosh. Yeah. Then I assume after a while People just started off going, but anyway, there was yeah. just this thing where between one bridge to the other, yeah, that that moment had passed. That is crazy yeah. because I was I was watching a guy who um uh, had jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. Yeah, and he said that there was two thousand people that jumped off that same bridge. Nineteen of them survived, and of every single person of that was nineteen, they said as soon as they jumped, they had instant regret. I'm sure. As soon as they jumped. Yeah. About yeah. almost everyone who 
ends their life by suicide, the last thought that thought that is, instant, wait a minute. Yeah, but wait it's, a minute. But sometimes but it's, it's too late. Too late. Yeah. And so that is, what, that is what this song about is about, is to say there could be a next out there. We know there is. If there's, if, 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 if 40, every 40 seconds, okay, in this world, somebody is taking their life, we've been on this podcast for how long? An hour. Oh my gosh, right? So, yeah. you know, if we look at it in that context, uh, if we can go around being that person that the, uh, what's the word? Sidetrack, mind sidetrackers. Mm hmm. Distractions. And, uh, yes. If we can be mind distractions to people, and the only way we can be mind distractions to people is to talk about it. Mm -hmm. See, sometimes nobody wants to talk to a person who's suicidal. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be around them. We don't want to hear what they've got to say. They're bringing us down. They're taking away, our, they've given us our negative energy. All that, right? All that stuff. And that's what I used to feel too. Mm -hmm. I can't be around you, bro. I can't be around this negative energy. You're harsh and my mellow, man. Yeah, exactly. You know, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That is not what this is about. That cannot ever be what this is about, ever. Yep. We 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 need to find a way to see that as not being kooky, crazy. These people need to see someone. They're weird. They're nuts or whatever. We need to try. And this is I'm talking to myself too, because I still have those feelings when someone will come up and talk to me. I'm like, okay, my my weird radar comes on, and I'm like, okay, let me. You know, if I was a girl, I'd clutch my bag tight. That you know what I mean, type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can't. Uh, can't do that anymore, man. Yeah, you know, and and these are with our and these are with our own people that we know. Yeah, these We're, are with our family members, we, right? You we know either saying? back away or we ridicule. Yes, them. yes, mm -hmm. yeah. because then all of a sudden we're putting ourselves in a higher spot than they are. Yeah. So, Alex Boyer, thanks for spending time with us. Uh, what are you gonna? Um, where are we going? Where are we going? Do you know? Where What's the next project? The next project, one, I can't talk about it yet. I'm not allowed to, but I am, um, oh gosh, can I talk about that one too? <laughs> mm. Well, what I'm doing right now is um, I'm uh, working on a Ben Not Tour, Ben Not Break Tour. Mm. And uh, that is, um, I've got a company called Rogers and Cowans, one of the biggest promotional companies. They're out of LA and we're working with a lot of um, celebrities who are going to help me to put these uh, these uh, these shows on, and so these shows are like they're like full out straight up concerts. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that we have people, um, survivors that will come and they will speak around the concert. So we got the music, we got the mm -hmm. uh, media screens and everything, and it's part of the concert. So we're doing this type. It's going to be awesome. It's nice. not like a one where we're like, uh, it's not a speech, it's not a seminar. Mm -hmm. It's like full out. Oh, all out concerts with like a 12 piece band. We got dancers, we've got horn sections, like the whole thing and video screens. And, and, you know, and we're inviting, you know, uh, as many people from, you know, from communities all, all across the country. Dealing with the subject yeah. of suicide. Yeah. Plan to do like a mm -hmm. 20 state tour right mm -hmm. now as, as it stands. And mm -hmm. we got a lot of uh, people who are interested in helping us to do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So excited right. about that. Pleasure to meet you. Hey, likewise, and thanks for the uh, food, too. You can go to Al Alex, A-L-E-X, Boye, B-O-Y-E, dot com. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Follow me on Instagram, Alex Boye Real, or on uh, um, Twitter, Alex Boye 04. Actually, the other way around, 
Alex Boye 04 <laughs> Instagram and Alex Boye Real uh, on um, Twitter. Twitter, yeah. And the Boye Family Jewels. Boye Family Jewels on online, YouTube. On YouTube. <laughs> That's pretty funny stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's not always funny. I don't know. Oh, no, man. She, I mean, she will be like telling you some of the crap that she's going through. Mm hmm. And just how this life is just tough and just sucks. All right. And, you know, it's just, it's real. All right. Yeah. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. I'm Bill Allred. Thank you, Dylan, for producing the show. Welcome. Yeah. I know uh, I kept calling Bill Dylan, Dylan Bill. This is father and son here. Yeah, that's right. So I kept calling you Dylan. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it didn't matter. Wait, yeah. <laughs> it didn't Were matter. You, we answered it either way. So okay. Good. It, it really didn't matter. <laughs> uh, that's it for the show. Uh, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Thank Bill you. Allred. Remember, if you're pouring drinks, always make mine a double. <laughs>